traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello? Yes, it works. All right. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hey, you ever notice there are a million different ways to say hello in America? You know, I mean, uh, in France, they say two things all day long. All right. It's bonjour, bonjour, all day long until about five o'clock. And then they start saying bonsoir, bonsoir, bonsoir. You know what somebody said to me in the hallway today? Howdy. (laughs) Howdy. I haven't heard that one in a while, but I have heard it. Howdy. How you doing? What's up? How are you? Uh, Hiya. Hello. Hi. Um, Look at you. Hey. Hi. Hey. Hey. That's a big one. Hey. And then some people just nod their heads. and, 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 And then you have the person who purposely doesn't say anything. And that's all another subject. We have so many options. You know what I heard today? We have... 500,000 words, plus or minus, in the English language. You know how many they have in the French language? About 30,000. That means 30,000 words compared to 500,000 words in, a, in English. We are capable of a hell of a lot more thought, in a way. In the new world, and the same goes for Spanish and Italian, we have a lot more words in English. And I think that might be one of the reasons why, sure, we're not the most... Uh, refined we uh you know we're a little bit pushy we're we're, we're kind of gruff um but the fact that there are a million different ways to say hello is in a way a good thing it's like there are a million different ways we don't see things narrowly like they do in the old world this is the new world and oh my god i am looking at nancy pelosi in that ridiculous pink suit walking off a plane in Taiwan. What the hell is she doing there? And why does she get an Air Force jet? She got an Air Force jet. Don't we have one president? One president gets Air Force One. These people should not have planes. The Speaker of the House, also known as a congressman, congresswoman, she gets her own plane. Give me a break. And I heard today that she can go wherever she pleases. That's not true. You know, Joe Biden should uh, be getting on the phone and straightening her out. Stay home, you nut job. You're going to you're going to screw it up for everybody. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants. But he does not have that uh, ability. He doesn't have that instinct. And even if he did, he does not have the ability to actually rein her in. He's not popular. I talked about it last night on the Newsmax show. Presidential fear factor. Zero fear. No one's afraid of Joe Biden. Thirty three percent, even lower in the polls. Uh, everybody overseas knows he's a joke. Isn't it kind of now I realize China has Joe's number. You know how Joe bragged for a long time about President Xi. We spent all this time together. We traveled 17,000 miles more than any other leader in the world. He has spent 24 hours with with me uninterrupted. That's the problem. All that time she was studying Joe 
you understand that uh, she isn't running around bragging about this stuff. He doesn't have to. Powerful people don't have to boast about how powerful they are and how well they know somebody who's powerful. They don't do it. They're just powerful. Anyway, that's um, how long is she going to be there? This is not good. All right. Even liberals are coming forward. And there are the occasional conservative Tom Cotton, who I like a lot, senator from Arkansas, saying, well, Nancy Pelosi, now that she's gone, it's good that or we, she can't she can't turn her back. We can't be told by the Chinese what to do. Uh, you think? I don't know about that, actually. It's one person going to Taiwan. What do we get out of it? Absolutely nothing. Zero. This isn't helping us. This is making us more vulnerable. This is a damage to national security. You know, for years, she was running around accusing Donald Trump of undermining our national security, being a threat to our national security, right? Listen to this. Cut 28. It is a matter of fact that the president is an ongoing threat to our national security. You called the president's commutation an act of staggering corruption. Is it an impeachable offense? It's staggering corruption, but I think it's important for people also to know that it's a threat to our national security. The evidence is clear that the president, the president has used his office for his own personal gain and in doing so undermined the national security of the United States. Okay, what you are doing, Madam Speaker, this, this little silly trip of yours This is undermining national security. The world has changed. You know, China is no pushover. They mean business here. They know we have a weak leader. Putin took a look at Joe Biden and rolled right into Ukraine. Afghanistan, we blew it. We lost. We have shown the world that we are the cut-and-run America under Democrat leadership. So, (laughs) I mean... I would love to just stick it to China. We can't. We don't have that clout anymore. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't true. And when people from China get up and say this kind of stuff out loud, cut 26. Honor President Biden's pledge not to support Taiwan independence and not to arrange Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. If Speaker of the House of Representatives Pelosi visits Taiwan, the Chinese side will definitely take resolute and strong countermeasures in response and defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity. All right, what the hell does that mean? I mean, that's the Chinese Communist Party speaking out, all right? Look, I mean, what's a, what's a, what's a good comparison? Now, did we send... Did we send the Speaker of the House? Mm, I'll have to come up with a good analogy. Look, we haven't had a Speaker of the House in um, Taiwan since 1997, Newt Gingrich. And it was a totally different world. Totally different. China is on the rise. We are in decline. No doubt about it. And I'm all for tough talk. I mean, you got to be tough. You got to make our enemies afraid of us. You know who was a master of that? There have been several presidents who are great at that. Uh, Ronald Reagan, um, even George W. Bush to a certain extent. Uh, But how about Trump? He nailed it. Cut 29, please. North Korea, best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met 
with fire and fury like the world has never seen. You say that kind of stuff because you mean it, and then they react to us. We're reacting to them now, and this is not how it should be. It doesn't have to be this way, but we have a weak, sick, lame, and lazy president who, by the way, is now taking a victory lap uh, because we got Zawahiri 25 years after 9-11. How many years has it been? 21 years after 9-11. We finally got uh, al-Qaeda's number two, Zawahiri. When I first heard that he died... I said, didn't he die already? I, I, I was like, wait a second. No, I, this guy's already dead. And there have been reports over the years, false reports, reports that even came from the Obama-Biden administration that we got him when we didn't. Hey, do we have any? Um, let's see here. All right. We'll keep, uh, so I wasn't, I'm not, I can't, I can't celebrate. I notice also that, well, I, it's good that he's dead. It's good that he's gone. Democrats seem to take out a high value uh, target. Once every ten years or so, um, it should be it should be more more regular, don't you think? And I think Sean Spicer is a brilliant guy. He works with me at Newsmax. You know what he told me? He said Joe Biden claiming credit and somehow celebrating this is like your house burns down to the ground. You live in some corrupt city, and the fire department got there late. And then they come and they brag that, well, your house burned down, but we saved your garage. All right. That's what it's like boasting about getting Zawahiri because we got the hell out of Afghanistan in such a disastrous pullout. It did not have to be that way. We got out so fast, so clumsily, so unprofessionally that the Taliban took over in about 10 minutes. It was supposed to be a matter of years before they could possibly even think about coming back. All that training we did of the Afghan military, remember all that stuff? It was just a a shell game, by the way. And you know who we have to blame for that to a large degree? Generals. American military generals. Uh, Marines, uh, soldiers in the Army, admirals. Yes, these guys, they got it wrong. And I love the military. I love the time I spent in the military. But you know what really takes hold in the military, this whole yes-man mentality. All right, It's literally illegal to tell your boss no in the military. It's literally against the law. All right, So very early on, you kind of figure out what the boss wants to hear, and you tell him that. And for years, who's the boss of the military? Well, the president, but also Congress, because they want stuff from Congress. The military wants money from Congress, so they're always trying to make nice on Congress. How do you make nice on Congress? Telling them what they want to hear and also telling them that you're making great strides, all kinds of progress in Afghanistan. I'll show this tonight, actually. It's interesting. Over the years, general after general, after 9-11, all the way up to August of 2021, saying, yeah, we're, we got them on the run. Yeah, we're really we, we got the, we're, we're training up this uh, Afghan military. Wow, it's really, it's really going great over here. Um, and then it all comes crumbling down. And that is that yes-man mentality that I really could not abide when I was in the military. And oh, by the way, it happens a lot in the civilian world, too. I mean, it's not illegal, but culturally, it's kind of the same thing. Your boss doesn't want to hear uh, no. Your boss doesn't necessarily want to hear the right. Some great bosses do, and I've got some great bosses. They actually say, hey, cut the crap. Tell me what's really going on here. But those bosses are rare. 
and uh, they don't want they don't want bad news. And then there is bad news, but you got these guys who are spinning it. Apple polishers, you know the type. They're all over the place. Hey, can we say something about? It? I saw this poll. Kathy Hochul is fourteen points ahead of Zeldin, uh, folks. This is a five alarm fire we got going on in New York State. Everybody has to help Zeldin get elected. Now, some people are assuring me, no, this is going to change. I'm not so sure about that. You know, everybody seems to be checked out. So many people are believing the fake news. Now, how do you defend Kathy Hochul in a situation where we have utter chaos in the streets? I mean, total and complete chaos and crime out of control. Um, Well, you do that by ignoring those issues, ignoring it to the greatest, and the media have been doing that, and also ignoring um, Lee Zeldin, trying to diminish him, trying to uh, not covering him. Lee Zeldin, this should be a neck-and-neck race. Uh, If Kathy Hochul wins this accidental governor, no business whatsoever having any kind of power, what was she again? She was the town clerk from upstate New York, and now she's the governor, our governor? No way. Is she going to cruise to uh, election here? Not re-election, but an election. We're counting on you. Lee Zeldin, Republican of Long Island. Check him out. War hero, uh, a great defender of Trump. He's a young man. He's got a hell of a lot of energy. He can do a lot of great things for us. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We got a little office gossip going on, and uh, it affects our audience as well. All right, before I get to that, uh, you know what they told me about getting in shape because I got this plan and I'm going for it, but uh, bodies are made in the kitchen. You can work out one more time. Bodies are made in the kitchen. You can work out, you can run, you can lift weights, you can do all that stuff. But if you don't radically change your diet, uh, you're still going to have that gut. And I am learning that lesson, and I am cleaning up, and uh, I, am, uh, I am very excited about what I will hopefully get done here. All right, so <laughs> why do you guys do this? You know, I love, Ber- I love everybody who works here. I love Bernie and Sid. Uh, you know how I feel about Mayor Giuliani. I think the guy is amazing, but... I don't know why they're doing this. They're trying to pit us to, against each other. And Rudy Giuliani, what's he talking about me for? All right. I will, I'll address everything, but I, I shouldn't just call him on the phone. I don't want to debate the great mayor, Rudy Giuliani. He's a, an amazing patriot. He has saved lives. And he deserves the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now, did I offend him in some way? Apparently, I did. Cut 25. I was given a city that had racial riot after racial. I was very hurt today when Greg Kelly said that I increased racial tension in the city. I was really hurt because I saved more black lives than any mayor or police commissioner in the history of New York City. And not only that, uh, I had fewer civilian complaints when I started than when I finished. And that's a that's a product of listening to Al Sharpton and the New York Times bull. No. So I'll talk to you about it tomorrow, but I was very, very hurt by that. All right. Well, you know what? you got to put things in context, Mr. Mayor. All right? I mean, how many times have I had you on my Newsmax show? I've had you on this show. Oh, by the way, uh, Mr. Mayor, I've yet to be invited on any of your programs, but that's okay. You are a great man. You um, led this city incredibly well. 
And yes, under your leadership, <laughs> there are black people alive today, Hispanic pe- people of color, who would not be alive otherwise. All right? Um, that's true. I'm sorry, sir, but there was uh, racial tension. I would take I would take people alive over the racial tension. All right? I think that if you're going to have racial tension, that's a that's an okay price to pay for saving people's lives. Fair enough? Okay? But let's say let's face it, you know, not all not not any mayor is perfect. And there were occasions where you didn't exactly say what people necessarily wanted to hear, especially maybe in the in the wake of um, Amadou Diallo or something like that. There were times, Mr. Mayor, where you possibly didn't choose the right words. It's okay. Happens to me every single day. People, all right, your mayor, I would give you an A on a scale of zero to 100. I would give you a 93 as mayor. 93 percent. Were you perfect? No. No one's perfect. So um, there were, and that's one of the reasons why, Mr. Mayor, actually, because you were kind of brash, because, you know, you could put it in people's faces. Some people loved it. Some people didn't. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people loved it. But a lot of people it rubbed the wrong way. And that's one of the reasons why on September 11th in the aftermath, when you said everything that needed to be said, in the most eloquent way, and you did everything that needed to be done in the most heroic way, you know, even your detractors had to be like, wow, this is amazing. This is not, this is not the same guy that the Daily News was uh, making fun of uh, in August, all right? This is, or it's the same guy, but now he's risen to the moment. I mean, I know it was always in you, but it was on full display. So, you know, I'm sorry if you're hurt. You know, I'm I was actually annoyed because I was following this very, very closely after your uh, team came in in January of 94. You did this. You know, Bratton did it. Uh, others did it. You tried to trash and tarnish everything that happened before uh, the Giuliani administration. That's politics. That happens. But there were some good things going on and 5000 new cops hired. All right. So, and as you know, you interviewed my father for that job. You considered him. Usually it would be a total given. You, having run on a law enforcement platform, that you would want your own police commissioner. But you knew he was a special guy. You knew he had a lot of support. You knew he was good at his job, excellent at his job. So it was about six weeks that had to go by before you made a decision. Maybe you made it in your heart earlier. You did interview him. You think you made the interv- the, the, the actual decision in uh in December, to go with Bratton. I don't think Bratton really worked out. Bratton is out for Bratton, all right? You know that. I know that. People understand that. Uh, he didn't make it two, what is it, two years, two, two years and a couple of months under you. And then de Blasio makes the same mistake, all right? It's very he, – he's a very good salesman in my book. Um, so Mayor Giuliani saved lives. Mayor Bloomberg and Ray Kelly saved lives, absolutely. And uh, Mayor Giuliani, what, what, you revolutionized some things. You changed, um, you changed America. You were the president, essentially, of the United States when George W. Bush was hiding 
afternoon. Remember that? There were a couple. There was like 36 hours, maybe even longer. George W. Bush was first he's in Louisiana hiding and then he's in Nebraska. And then, you know, he's all over the place and he was very unsure of himself. You were certain you were steadfast. And part of it was, yeah, you were kind of in your face about race. OK, you were at times. That's OK. In the in the big picture, though, you did. You save lives of people of color. That's more important. Don't you think? I think. Um, and, and, you know, I, I see the morning show is trying to pit us against each other. Oh, Greg Kelly says this about Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani says that. And they're playing it on the on the Bernie and Sid's show. Aren't there more important things to discuss? Things that are happening right now? Um, and by the way, yeah, this Zawahiri thing, uh, I like what Spicer said. This guy was walking around, and everybody knew Zawahiri was alive and well in Kabul, Afghanistan. He had a great big apartment. He's walking around on the balcony. Not a fear in the world. I mean, I guess this is one small little thing that we got. He had to come out of hiding. He wasn't really in control of Al-Qaeda, but I'm glad we got him. He's dead finally, 21 years too late. I'll be right back. the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Mayor Giuliani, you and I should never, ever fight. We have to combine our energies and focus on the real threat to America. Are you ready for that? According to Hakeem Jeffries, he is the, uh, the number three Democrat, I think, in the House of Representatives. He's from Brooklyn. Hakeem Jeffries. They say he could be the next Democrat speaker after Nancy Pelosi, although Hopefully that's going to be a long time from now because the Republicans are most likely going to take back the House in November. But um, this is what we should be focusing on, the grave threat posed to America by uh, by who, Congressman Jeffries? Cut 52, please. The threat right now in this country to the American people are extreme MAGA Republicans. That's the threat. <laughs> that's the problem. That's the crisis that we confront extreme MAGA Republicans. Yeah, right, 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 right. Now, I'm not a Republican, but I am pretty, I'm all in MAGA. You could even call me ultra MAGA. Yeah, I'm all for border security. I'm all for judging people by ideas, not the color of their skin. I'm all for winning wars, not losing them. I'm all for not fighting unnecessary and stupid wars. I'm for lower taxes. I'm for freedom of speech. I hate cancel culture. I'm for uh, uh, defeating China. I'm for reigniting our manufacturing base. (laughs) That's that's me. You got a problem with any of that stuff, Hakeem? What's the issue? Man, (laughs) Uh, what do you say? Oh, yeah, we're all wrong when it comes to Roe v. Wade and uh, the election. Oh, how dare you have any concerns about the November 2020 election? You are a threat to democracy. And speaking of threats to democracy, what do they do to that guy? And he's no threat to democracy. His name is Refit. Is that his name? He just went to jail for seven years. Can you believe that? Uh, Refit, R-E-F-F-I-T. I think his first name is Guy. And I saw a video. I showed it on my Newsmax show. 
of everything that he did on January 6th, like the worst moment. You know what the worst moment is? He's standing there. He's standing there, and then some cop sprays him in the face with a mace or something like that. And what does he do? He puts up his hand to protect his face. Now, Mr. Reffitt is going to jail now for seven years, seven-plus years. And these feds, you know, they don't play any games with parole. He's going to do hard time for a long time. He's been in jail since January. His son called the FBI. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Um, He seems like, look, he didn't go into the Capitol. He did not go inside. He did not hurt anybody. He did not break anything. What are they getting him on? Obstructing a federal proceeding. It's so interesting how selective they are, how selective our prosecutors have become. Did you see that scene after the Dominican parade? Oh, cops are trying to arrest somebody. They're throwing rocks, bottles, fighting them, punching them. Unbelievable scene. I'll have that on the Newsmax show as well. And uh, let's see, Nicole Reffitt's wife, she spoke out. Now, I understand there's some family drama. I don't think the kids see it this way. But Nicole Reffitt, the wife of Guy, she was very impressive. Her, Her husband, again, did not break anything, did not hurt anybody, never entered the Capitol. Now, he did have a weapon on him, a gun that he did not uh, brandish, that he did not fire. Seven-plus years? All he did was hold up a hand in front of his face to protect it as the cops were spraying mace in it. I think his wife speaks a lot of truth here. Cut 42. We really didn't expect anything more from the two-tier justice system here in the D.C. area. There's not going to be a one-sixer that will not be persecuted for their political ideology. No matter if you are a liberal, if you're an independent, if you're a Republican, this is not okay. The way that people protest in the future will be determined on their political ideology if it's okay to charge them or not charge them. She's a thousand percent right. We see it all the time. The Black Lives Matter protesters, they let them all go. Literally, let them all go. Let them all go. The looters, everything. No charges. No, we understand. Yeah, no, you got to fight back against all that systemic racism. Yeah, no problem. What else did she say? Cut 43. He went that day because the United States is the last great stand we have. And if we allow our country to keep being driven into the ground by the corrupt, evil politicians here in this city, then one day at your kitchen table, FBI is going to come in and tell you that you stood up at the school board meeting and you are now a domestic terrorist. So wake up, America. This isn't just about Guy Wesley Ruffin. This isn't about just one six. This is about our liberties being stomped on. Nicole Ruffin, you are correct. I love it. Man, oh, man, you know. God can do great things, even in a horrible moment like this for your family. I understand not everybody in the family may agree with you, and some of them have now come out against Trump. But uh, what you just said is the truth, and I'm very, very impressed. We need what's happening is absolutely crazy. You know, it's interesting. You know, Donald Trump has concerns about the election. So do I. It's fair. It's constitutional to have those concerns. It's fair and constitutional, legal to, 
carry out those concerns, to say to the vice president, I want you to do this. And under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, I believe you can do this. Quite frankly, I I guess it's uh, it's disappointing. But was it legal and constitutional for the vice president to say, I'm not doing that? Probably very disappointing. I don't like it. But he could do it. He also could have sent those electors back to Harrisburg, back to Atlanta, uh, back to Phoenix. Yes, he could have done that within under the um, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. We believe that's legal. By the way, they're trying to change that act to say explicitly that the vice president can't do those things. Well, that's interesting. Why would they have to change it? They tell me already that it says explicitly that he can't do that. Well, it doesn't. So they're trying. Right. You see, they're caught. So um, Donald Trump talking about the fairness of the election, they say that inspired the rioters. That inspired the rioters. Now, no, actually, the rioters were set up. You can look at it. I've, I've showed you a million times in the Newsmax show, cops letting the people in, um, that Ray Epps character. Uh, th- these aren't isolated cases. This isn't just you know one split second of video. It's hours of video where the cops are letting people into the Capitol or just standing there, not doing anything, or walking off their posts just before Ashley Babbitt is shot and killed. And by the way, we started it last night. You know, I, we, I talk about Ashley Babbitt more than any other show in cable television, but I will never miss a night going forward. For as long as I'm hosting that show, if it's one more night or ten more years, every night I'm on television I'm talking about Ashley Babbitt and demanding justice for her. Um, so if Trump was talking about the election, they say that inspired the violence. Well, what about all the politicians who are talking about systemic racism and the original sin of slavery and all that stuff, right? And George Floyd, this and that. They encouraged the violence that followed the death of George Floyd. Black Lives Matter summer. They are, that by that logic... And there's a much more direct connection to what they were saying than what Donald Trump was saying. Donald Trump actually came out and said, peaceful and patriotic. Be peaceful and patriotic. Democrats were saying the opposite. It's, uh, it's wild. And I feel so privileged to be in a position to see all this and to make the connections. Um, all right. What do you think? Uh, who, who's telling me not to get sucked in? Sucked into what? Rich is in Brooklyn. Hello. Rich, are you there? Uh, Andrew and Stanhope. Hello. Hey, what's up, Greg? You're on the air. (laughs) Um, can I do a quick honeymooners quote just to lighten it? The, uh, what big game fisherman? He killed it in self-defense down on the sewer. (laughs) They're in, uh, Ralph's boss's parlor waiting for him. And he has a stuffed marlin and Norton says, Oh, my boss has that. And Ralph says, Oh, your boss was a big game fisherman. He goes, What big game fisherman? He killed it in self defense. That's right. That's sport. right. They were waiting to uh, shoot pool with the boss. And then Norton goes and shows off and, uh, and robs Ralph of that great opportunity he had for making it to the executive ranks. Uh, you know what? You know where that happened? 1149 Park Avenue. And I actually once went to 1149 Park Avenue. That's how insane I am, which is not too far from 1049 Park Avenue, where the odd couple lived. Anyway, Andrew, what's your point today? Nancy Pelosi, um, I like standing up to China on one hand, but also uh, the karate kid, Mr. Miyagi, said the best defense in a fight is no be don't be there. So why should she poke the bear? You know, wouldn't it be best to not 
go there and risk an actual war, you know, unnecessarily, like you said. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, did Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid really say that don't go to the fight? Yeah, he said, and I like Cobra Kai, which is the Netflix series, like the new generation. And LaRusso quotes that. He said, the best defense? Yeah, what is that, Mr. Miyagi? Don't be there. Well, the best defense in the fight, don't be there. I really liked uh, Mr. Miyagi, uh, Pat Morita. I met him once, actually, at the White House. Uh, I met him at the White House on uh, January 1st of 2000 at a New Year's Eve party. He was one of the nicest, most interesting guys I've ever met. I really enjoyed him. He was, uh, what else? He was on the Happy Days. He was in a million movies. And probably most notably, he was Mr. Miyagi. And, uh, you know, the the lesson from the Karate Kid is still a valid one. To achieve excellence in something, you've got to work and you've got to do a lot of mundane, rote things to be really good at something. you got to start small. Remember, sanding the floor, painting the fence, you know, and, and what's his name? Uh, what is his name? What was the Karate Kid's name? Uh, he's from Long Island. Daniel. Nice. Daniel. Daniel. What was his? Anyway, yeah. He didn't want to do any of that stuff at first. He just wanted to get in the ring and start kicking ass and breaking wood. But no, you got to do the little things first. You got to get really good. You got to become a master. And I just love that aspect of the, uh, of the film. And uh, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks, Andrew. And um, yeah, Mr. Oh, here's something else. You know, you just mentioned that Cobra Kai show. I I don't like. Oh God, I'm watching a show. It's fantastic, and all I want to do is go home and watch the show. I after I'm done with this show, I'm never watching another show. What's the show I'm watching? It's called The Offer uh, by Paramount TV. It's about it's a ten part series about the making of The Godfather. Now they're getting all kinds of stuff wrong, and I think they know that they're just blowing it off because they want to enhance the story. And that's fine. It's a very gripping story. And this guy, Miles Teller, plays Al Ruddy, the producer, and um, you know Francis Ford Coppola, some actors playing him. I don't know his name. And the cast is great. Some guy's playing Al Pacino. It's just interesting. And making a movie is, like I said, trying to get somebody on the moon. It's very, very difficult. Um, but I am enjoying it too much. It's all I want. I stayed up to midnight watching another episode, watching another episode. And what can I do this morning? I want to talk about it. I'm like, did you see the offer? Did you? Nobody's seen this show. You ever go to a dinner? But no one's ever seen the same show. I hate that. Uh, but that's okay. I'm enjoying this, and then I'm I'm going to cancel all my subscriptions. No more TV. It's too frustrating, too time consuming. Tony in Middletown. Hello, Greg. How are you, Greg? Uh, I just want to offer some constructive criticism here with uh, your comments about Rudy Giuliani. I always say to my friends, do never put ammunition in your enemy's gun by, by giving it. Because later on, they're going to turn around and say, uh, even Greg Kelly said that this about Giuliani, X, Y, Z. Uh, I think where Giuliani did the city and everyone in it a favor is we had law and order and minorities, some minorities were uh, uh, unhappy. Now we have no law and order and they're still unhappy. Well, I, 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 yes, um, but look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, you know who talks like that? Politicians. Politicians are always afraid, oh, somebody could quote me or take my words out of context and therefore are going to sound like some hostage. All right. So I'm not going to regulate how I speak. 
Uh, and, and Rudy Giuliani is no enemy. I consider him a dear friend. I do anything for that guy. And I love his son, Andrew, and they're just amazing people. And, uh, you know, but I'm sorry. Somehow it came up, the squeegee guys, and uh, it's a point of contention. They were removed by the Dinkins administration. They were. And, you know, there were some amazing things that he did, and he did save lives, especially people of color. He did. Uh, But there was a lot of things that happened before he got there that he was able to implement, like the 5,000 new cops. And, uh, look, unquestionably, he changed the game as far as policing and governing and all for the better. But there were some rough spots. And I'm not going to, you know, worry about, oh, gosh, I just can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean, Tony? You got a lot of people who watch the Sunday shows. They're always, they live by what you just recommended. Never put ammo in your enemy's gun. And I don't like the way they speak. I don't like the lack of candor. I don't like the lack of honesty. I I don't like the, uh, the lack of honesty. And that's how I feel, Tony. Maybe, maybe you could have called him. And said, hey, Rudy. Hey, Tony, this stuff just comes up. You know what I mean? We got two hours. We got we got a TV show. We're all in a rush. You know, it it just part of it was I felt a little bit almost set up because as much as I love Bernie and Sid, you know, these comments are made. They tried to make a mountain out of a molehill and now they apparently have succeeded. And I don't know why the hell they're uh, playing clips from my show. And Greg said this and Rudy said that. And then Greg said this. And then like, you know, and now it's become a thing. And I don't want it to become a thing. And I know what you mean, you know, if you have differences, but it was right there in front of my face and I had to address it. So, Tony, I appreciate your uh, your thoughtfulness on this, though. Thank you. Keep, keep doing a good job and God bless Rudy in America. All the best. I agree. And you know what? I can't wait till he gets the Medal of Freedom so richly deserved, not only for what he did for Trump and the uh, the election and all that stuff, but for what he did, yes, uh, for New York City and for, you know, Basically, city management, city government. It's uh, he changed. He changed so much. Uh, should I do one more? No, I got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. He always talks tough, doesn't he? Although uh, here he is talking about Zawahiri and terrorists. He, he doesn't. He doesn't have the same venom. That he does for January Sixers or uh, Trump, but uh, let's take a look at this. Cut nineteen, Joe Biden. Cut nineteen. For decades, he was the mastermind behind attacks against Americans, including the bombing of the USS Cole in 2000, which killed 17 American sailors and wounded dozens more. He played a key role, a key role in the bombing of U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, killing 224 and wounding over 4,500 others. He carved a trail of murder and violence against American citizens, American service members, American diplomats, and American interests. Pretty simple statement that he's uh, kind of running out of breath. Hey, Zawahiri was bad. Uh, I'm glad he's gone. I hope he's gone. You know, we got to take Joe Biden's word for it. Would they try possibly to just come up with something to change the conversation? Is it possible this guy died of kidney failure? Uh, a couple of uh, months ago, and they just decided, hey, let's make it look like we took him out. I could totally believe that. Hey, they fired missiles into the guy's house, and only one guy died? When's the, with no collateral damage at all? Zero? Really? Has that ever happened in the history of these kinds of strikes? Uh, here's a more tough talk here. Cut 21. No matter how long it takes, 
no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. Yikes. It does sound like he's talking about January 6ers. That's the only other time he turns it on like this. <laughs> he's, uh, ooh, he did it. It's him. It's him. Don't forget, Joe Biden is responsible, according to Joe Biden. Cut 22. After carefully considering the clear and convincing evidence of his location, I authorized a precision strike that would remove him from the battlefield once and for all. This mission was carefully planned rigorously minimize the risk of harm to other civilians. And one week ago, after being advised that the conditions were optimal, I gave the final approval to go get him. And the mission was a success. Mm, maybe. You know, they, they reported that this guy was dead back in 2009, the Obama administration did. And look at Afghanistan right now. If, if we had been more professional about relocating our troops, about getting out, about not giving up Bagram Airfield, maybe women in Afghanistan would not be starving and would not be getting stoned to death right now. Listen to this. Uh, One year after the fall of Kabul, women in Afghanistan are starving and have lost access to their hard-earned rights, education, and jobs. Urgent action is needed. Women's lives have completely changed in the past year in Afghanistan. Afghan women have lost many of their most basic freedoms, the freedom to wear what they want, to leave their homes, or to study at secondary school. They have lost their hard-earned rights. Afghan women are struggling to feed themselves and their families. 23 million Afghans don't have enough to eat. Despite all the hardships they face, Afghan women have not given up the will to shape their own lives. A group called Women for Women International have not given up their role supporting them. And it's a plea for, what do you, what do you call it here, act with Afghan women. I don't know uh, what they have in mind in terms of uh, Women for Women International, what they want to do, but they're speaking the truth. I've seen this from numerous sources. Uh, what's happening in Afghanistan now, thanks to us, thanks to Joe Biden and his, um, his dishonesty, He lied to us so many times about what would happen. Do you remember when he assured us that it would not be like, it would not be anything like getting out of Vietnam in 1975? Remember that? He just said, oh, no, that's that's laughable. The Taliban, they're not coming back. No, 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 not going to happen. Well, it happened. Not even overnight. It happened in an afternoon. It happened in an afternoon. Those crazy guys were in the presidential palace. And you know why? Because Joe knew better. Joe overruled all kinds of people. Joe was just sitting there. And you know why no one can tell Joe anything when it comes to military affairs? Because Bo Biden, gosh darn it, was in Iraq. Because Joe Biden's son was a lawyer in Iraq. He knows everything there is to know, Joe Biden does, about military affairs. He doesn't. He's clueless. And uh, Bo Biden, may he rest in peace, Uh and I, I'm quite frankly sick of hearing about him. Uh, lots of people have lost uh, loved ones in this war. Joe Biden was talking about Bo to the families of those 13 service members who were killed in Afghanistan thanks to Joe's botched evacuation. Remember that? And Joe wanted to talk about Bo Biden, who died years later, even though Joe purposely tried to mislead people 
and make them think that Bo Biden was somehow a battlefield casualty. Can you believe that? That is uh, damn near stolen valor. Not by Bo, but by uh, his pops, Joe. This is not going to end well for Joe. Um, it's just not. I don't know. I want him to die at the age of 100, 110, long, live long, but out of the White House, please. All right, give me a moment. Be right back. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, the poor police. All that years, three years now of intense. Actually, it's been going on since about 2012 when Barack Obama found his support with blacks in America going down and he had to gin everybody up, especially people of color about systemic racism, and they politicized the Trayvon Martin case beyond belief, and uh, Black Lives Matter was born, and now we have races uh, at, at each other's throats. Not everybody, but a lot. You got the media fueling the situation. I'm looking at a policeman. You got to check this out. It's a great site on Twitter. It's called Viral Views NYC. Viral Views NYC. Got a cop on a cell phone, Okay. He's on, he's on duty. He's wearing his uniform. He's on the street, and he's leaning against a fence, and somebody comes out to him, the owner of the house. It's a fence that surrounds somebody's property. It's a little fence. It's a metal fence, you know, those little cyclone fences, and comes out and says, get off my property. And what does that mean? Well, the guy's not, not he said, your hand is on my fence. So he lifts it off. He lifts it off. You happy now? This is. Are you happy now, Nancy Pelosi, uh, New York Times? Is this what you wanted? It, the harassment of police everywhere. Um, that is really heartbreaking. And I did grow up believing that policemen are my friends, and they are. But we've made it essentially impossible for them to do their job. And Obama, man, oh man, oh man, yes. He is behind this. He's still orchestrating it. And you know what? He's still running the country. I am convinced. First of all, a couple of things about Obama. He's still in Washington, D.C. Did you know that? It's very unusual. Well, right now, he's probably in the south of France. It's August. Um, but he spends a lot of time in Washington, D.C. He's got a mansion there. He's got an office there just about a mile from the White House. Now, this is unheard of in in, in there's like only one president who's ever stayed in Washington after he left the presidency. And I think that was, uh, I don't know, Madison or somebody like that because he was sick. He was, he couldn't move. He had to stay. So they moved him a block away from the white house and he stayed there. Everybody else gets the hell out of town except Obama. Now, why is that? Well, he had to, he had to, uh, make allowances for his children. Cut 39, please cut 39. You guys are moving uh, 
you guys are moving like two miles away from the White House. You're we will staying be, in we, D.C. We will be staying in D.C. because uh, my younger daughter uh, will still be in school, and the idea of uh, her having to transfer schools, move to a new city halfway through high school, uh, would not make me popular. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> oh, it's so funny when he says that, huh? Would not make him popular with his daughter. <laughs> not funny. It's this over laughing at this guy. They, they, I call it boss laughter. They only laugh because he's the boss or he's the president, right? That's not genuinely funny. All right, but here's an update. So he was talking about Sasha Obama. She graduated from high school in 2019. That's three years ago. Yet Obama still has that great big mansion in Washington, D.C. Oh, by the way, side note, it is a mansion in Calorama, and it's a magnificent house. Initially, he rented it from a guy named Joe Lockhart, who was a very terrible press secretary for Bill Clinton. Can you imagine? That's how the swamp works. You're the press secretary for a president. You can be rich enough, pardon me, to rent out a house to be the president's landlord. So he stays in Washington, D.C. Why? Because he wants to call the shots. So after Biden is, quote unquote, elected, Barack Obama says this during the um, this is in November of 2020 to fellow liberal Stephen Colbert, cut 38. If I could make an arrangement where um, I had a I had a, a stand in a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could <laughs> sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that. You get it? That's what's happening. All the talking and the ceremony. You think Joe is any, is is capable of anything more than ceremony? He's barely capable of ceremony and talking. You got to have some... Look, everything that's becoming undone in America, you think Joe Biden is doing this? He can't. He's not a good guy, but he's also very limited. It takes very sophisticated, committed people, socialists. You know, Joe Biden, all he knows how to do is smile and ask for a favor and maybe do a donor a favor. That's it. That's all he ever brought to the table. It's true. That's all. Like He was famous for that. I think I actually have people... And the fake news all the way back in 1987 saying that Joe just doesn't get it and never will. Uh, one thing, he was a big-time copycat when he was in uh, college. Listen to this. And also as a candidate, he was always ripping off other people's words. Cut 30. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now that's a little too much because, as you point out, what's behind the words? What's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been, it's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge, that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. All right. That's how he rolls. 
That's in 1987, called out by the mainstream media, and they weren't done yet. Cut 31. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So, ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you have. And you are. That's another big problem. He's a dummy, and he's got a sinister guy like uh, Barack Obama actually pulling the strings. He was tweeting over the weekend. Obama was. Almost like he's the chairman and Joe Biden works for him. I credit Joe Biden for doing a good job with this legislation. It's good for him. It just had the aura of the boss. He's in charge of Joe Biden. A little bit more on how dumb he is and how silly he is. Uh, Cut 33. The wise idea, though, to take something that personal anyway from another politician and try and appropriate it to your own campaign. I think it was a stupid thing to uh, appropriate uh, material that was really very personal that was someone else's. Most people didn't know who he was, you know, Joe Biden, Biden, and now they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's the guy who plagiarized. That's a lot of people. First. Politically, that's devastating. These clips are devastating. He looks like a Joe Biden wind-up doll with somebody else's words coming out. If they're going to do things that are stupid as well as immoral, then they're probably too dumb to have the job of president. That's Joe Biden. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. Everybody under- Now, a lot of these kids in the swamp, they forget it. They can't look at something that isn't eight seconds old on Instagram. They can't be bothered. That's a big problem, by the way, with reporters these days. They are not thinking. No one really spends much time thinking, especially those jerks in the press corps. 95% of them are absolutely terrible only seeking fame or money. And it's interesting, no matter what they're doing in media, they want to be doing something else. Every TV star wants to be a internet star, and every internet star wants to have a TV show. It's crazy. Uh, no one's paying any attention whatsoever. Nobody has any memory uh, at all. But uh, but I remember, and I, I was still aghast all through the campaign. Like, this is the guy. I remember. I was old enough. This is a guy. Everybody knows he's stupid. So that brings me back to Obama. You really think that Joe Biden could be engineering the undoing of our society? No. But Barack Obama, he could. He can. And he is. And here's something that, well, I don't trust the guy. I just don't. And uh, we talked about this yesterday, but here's the clip. When Obama says, he says it out loud, that he's a Muslim. Cut 40. What I was suggesting, you're absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, talked about my Muslim faith. And you're absolutely right that that has not come uh, my, my Christian faith. Well, what I'm saying is he hasn't suggested that I'm I'm, uh, a Muslim. So you heard him say it right there. Now, by the way, i got to be clear about this. We can have a Muslim president. We should someday. It's fine. Muslim people, no problem. Muslim faith, Jewish, Christian, I'm Christian. I believe that is the way. Um, But I'm not judging others. That's not for me. The problem I have with Obama is he is deceiving people about his religion. That's what I believe. That's my takeaway from that moment. You may have never have seen that before. Gets a little play, not much. It's been pretty much erased. 
it should have been a bigger story at the time. It's no problem. Why can't you tell us what you are? Why won't this brilliant student release his transcript from Columbia University? Some people believe that he checked the block Muslim on his, uh, you know, you got to fill out all that paperwork to get in and to register. And somewhere along the way, they ask you what religion you are. I don't think they ask that anymore. Probably because so many people have just blown off religion, tragically. A total tragedy. It's amazing how we've just chased God out of the public space, right? You can't talk, you can talk about any indulgence you want. And Joe Biden, I hear, keep hearing what a Christian he is, but he never really seems to talk about it. What an opportunity he has, huh? If he were really, truly uh, saved by Christ, wouldn't he, wouldn't he talk about it? Uh, think about what he could do with that pulpit. Nobody really, with the Bible, what you can learn, what you can, the peace you can achieve. And I'll just tell you briefly myself, I did had no idea, clueless, walking around like an idiot most of my life. Somebody gave me the Bible. Ah, ha, 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 ha. You silly church lady, I don't need this thing. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, boy, I was as dumb as dumb can be. And then out of a combination of boredom, curiosity, and, uh, well, divine intervention probably, I started reading it. The Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible, it has that little, those little footnotes that can help you. And uh, it's so... You must. I recommend it. I really do. Everything has changed. I see miracles all the time. And you can talk with God. Imagine that. You could have a direct relationship with the creator of the universe. If I offered you a direct relationship with the CEO of your company, the CEO of your company knows who you are, is concerned about you, wants to have lunch with you. He does. Well, not really, but God does. Oh, right? You'd be a little bit disappointed. Oh, I've heard this before. Oh, no, you're just trying to sell me something. Nah. No. No, I'm not. Anne in Staten Island. Hello. Hi, Greg. How are you? Terrific. I hope you really run for mayor because you would be terrific and put your father in as a police commissioner. He would be wonderful. Then our dreams would come true. And uh, Zeldin, I hope, gets in. But the main reason for my call is uh, Grant Stinchfield. I follow him on Twitter. Because I miss him on Newsmax. I don't watch Newsmax except for you. Only you. Thank you. And um, he has a, I don't know if you heard about it, but the plot is in to get uh, Michelle Obama in as a president. Well, listen, I'm a, you- I'm a Grand Stinchfield fan. But if you were watching my show about a year ago, and I addressed it uh, just a few weeks ago, that, yes, there seems to be a plan, and Michelle Obama is following it, following the um, the Barack Obama playbook. You know, Barack Obama gave the keynote address in the 2004 uh, convention. He was nominated in 2008. Who gave the keynote address for the Democrats in 2020? Michelle Obama. Um, yes, they are moving in this direction. I think it's a real possibility that she will run, and uh, actually— you can count on it. You can count on it. Who's going to run? Pete Buttigieg? It's going to be her. And she's even less qualified to be president than uh, than Barack. I mean, a lot less qualified. You know, she's got a terrible attitude. Seems to resent the hell out of this country. Is extremely touchy about matters of race. I don't like her. Uh, but, yeah, no, Grant is uh, not wrong, but uh, neither was I. Anything else? 
Oh, Hi. Ann, I'm sorry. Hold that thought. I got to go. But thank you, Ann, very much. And uh, say hi to Grant for me on social media. We keep in touch. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, this is the thing I was telling you. Uh, Liz Cheney. Oh, boy, is she a sneak. Hey, before I get to her, actually, let's root for a couple of people. Number one, I want Carrie Lake to win in um, uh, Arizona. She's running for governor. I think she's amazing. I think she will be president someday if she can pull this governor thing off. Carrie Lake, former news anchor for uh, a Fox affiliate, kind of reminds me of a... You know, of a Rosanna Scotto type figure, you know, it's been on there for decades. Everybody loves her. I told Rosanna a long time ago that she should run for politics. She uh, she did not take me up on that, uh, but uh, she would have been great. Meanwhile, Carrie Lake is going to uh, win this thing, it looks like. And uh, next governor of uh, she's got the general election to go through. I'm sure she will. uh, I don't know who she's running against in the general. We'll check that out. Also in Missouri. Now, this is a weird case. Eric Greitens, is that his name, Greitens? He's the former Republican governor. He had to resign because he was tying up women with duct tape and taking pictures of them against their will. That's the story. And uh, he had to resign. Uh, He was arrested at one point. And uh, he put out the craziest ads I've ever seen. He's running for Senate. I'm sorry, but after that, I think he should kind of take care of your family, get mental health, you know, just retreat from the spotlight a little bit do you turn around and two years later start running for senate i don't think so u.s senator u.s senator wow uh i don't think his wife is uh really cool with this his ex-wife but anyway um there's another guy running in in missouri called what's his name eric schultz so i don't believe this but pressure was mounting on trump to endorse eric Greitens. And uh, I don't think he wanted to do it for the reasons I just mentioned. He's a maniac, has no business being in public life. I mean, maybe someday, you know, go 10 years, 10 years. Is there any real urgency to have this guy in the United States Senate? No, there's none. Making a commercial where he's uh, openly lusting for blood, the blood of rhinos. I mean, I can't stand rhinos, Republicans in name only, but I think they should uh, not be Shot and killed, okay? And everyone was saying, oh, Greg, that was just a joke. No, I'm sorry. You don't make – a joke is something you you say or – you know, this was this was a commercial. I mean, this, this had – they had 80,000 opportunities to say, uh, maybe this is a bad idea. You know, they're busting down the door, shooting and rhinos, rhino hunting, like it's, a, like it's SEAL Team 6. Anyway, so Trump puts out a, a statement saying – I endorse Eric. I am all for Eric to win this election. And the thing about Eric is uh, they're both named Eric. All right? They're both named Eric. One was Eric Greitens. One, the other one is Eric Schultz. So he was playing a little bit of a game. Uh, that's Trump for you. I like it. It was well done. He did not endorse Eric Greitens. He didn't endorse the other guy. He said Missouri's going to make the right choice here. And um, I just hope it's not Greitens, okay? I just really hope it's not that guy. Um, I'm MAGA as they come, but uh, not this guy. Uh-uh, too much. Sandra in New Jersey. Welcome back, Sandra. Hello. Uh, are you there? Let's try the other Sandra in New Jersey. Uh, line three. Try that one. Hi. Hey. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm terrific. What's happening? <laughs> well, I was watching your show last night. 
and I was blown away by Carrie Lake. And, you know, she's such a formidable candidate and how you presented her. So the point I want to make is, if I kept thinking about her after your show, I think that Zeldin should be going on the shows a lot because otherwise maybe he'll slip through our fingers. Well, he's welcome on my show every time. Now, I, I will be got to be honest about uh, Lee Zeldin. He's not as telegenic, not as charismatic as um, uh, Carrie Lake. I mean, you know, it's just a fact. So it's okay. Um, and I don't think these elections are determined by cable TV appearances. They're they're not. There's a million other things you got to do to get elected. Sometimes people in cable TV and journalism, they think, oh, if they don't do an interview with me, um, how how do they expect to get elected? Um, no, nah, that's not exactly true. He is welcome on the show anytime. I've actually specifically, he was on a couple of weeks ago. It's time to invite him again. I, he is a standing invitation, but let me just remind them that he is a standing invitation. But I don't know if that actually makes all it's not it's not make or break. You know what I mean? What is make or break is raising money and uh, working like a dog. You know, I'm like one of a hundred thousand things that he's got to do between now and November. And um, I think New Yorkers have got to just smarten up. Take a look around. Do we want more of this? Doesn't it isn't it logical to send the world a message that Democrats are screwing it up in New York. They've screwed it up long enough. We've had three governors in a row who had to leave under a cloud. Anyway, hey, Sandra, everything else good? Everything else is good. My husband saw that movie that you love, and he does it, he talks about it all the time. Which one? Well, the one with Godfather. I think Focus, Godfather, you know, the relationship with the Godfather movie. Oh, the author. I mean, I'm sorry, the author, right? The offer? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's addictive. Uh, All right. Enjoy. Thank you, Sandra. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I find Jon Stewart officially annoying. Officially annoying. I'm sorry. Um, I think he's he's using this issue to, uh, to boost himself. Looks like he's thinking about running for president. And um, because there are ways to get things done, and then there are ways to get things done. And at this point, as close as he is, as close as we are to this legislation for the burn pit stuff, um, I'm watching him right now. He's back on Fox News. He was on CNN 10 minutes ago um, on the front of the Capitol, at the front of the Capitol, outside the Capitol. I think you've got to be inside the Capitol. You know, it's one thing to yell and scream about uh, Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania. What about make, take, making a meeting with him? Did he already do that? I don't know. I do remember back on some issue a couple of years ago, he made a big deal about stalking Mitch McConnell, not having a meeting with him, but following him around and yelling things at him and just kind of turning up. It was a little bit strange. Just like this is a little bit strange. I mean, uh, Jack Posobiec, uh, he, he, he sees him yesterday. John Stewart is the one yelling his head off at him. Listen to this. Cut 48. Get this crap over the line. Because no, no, no. these people John, have suffered for 15 years. Because you're a I, Look at them in the troll. face. Look I, at them in the face. You're a troll. Guys, I want the bill you're not a good face. I'm for the bill. You're not a good face. So what's the problem? What are you trying to do here? I said, what is your question? John, why is John, I'm not even against you guys. What are you doing? Then what are you? Wow. Relax, huh? Yelling like that. Why would he yell? 
Now I'll give this for to John. He uh, he toned it down a notch when he realized that Jack Posobiec is a veteran himself, and um, was just there. And let, do we have them apologizing? I think, uh, yeah, forty nine. Listen to this. It's kind of nice. This is Jack Posobiec. I'm here with Tim Jensen of Grunt Style, and hello, John Stewart is also here. John Stewart and I have decided to come to agreement. Have we not, John? Yes, sir. I lost, I lost my temper a little bit. I felt like I was being trolled. And uh, I realized that the important thing is you just got to get this done for these guys and get them over the finish line to get the health care they need. We're at 98%. Let's get it over the last 2%, please. Is Absolutely. that fair? Fair. You shake on it. 7-5, really. Do or die. All right. That's nice. I, I do like moments like that. But for this legislation, my goodness gracious, I don't know. I don't know. I'll... I mean, I'm a veteran. I've seen these burn pits. I've inhaled the burn pits. We had a, an issue that I was somewhat involved in, Camp Lejeune water. Camp Lejeune water. Now, the word was that the water at Camp Lejeune for many years was making men sick, giving them breast cancer, male breast cancer. That is something, huh? And I was in the Marine Corps at the time. We were talking about this, and there, were, there was a public relations kind of uh, issue. So the Marine Corps is under fire because, uh-oh, all these Marines, you know, they drank the water at the base, and now they have breast cancer. You got, you owe them money. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. The only problem was scientifically that had not been established. It might be logical. It might look that way. But it wasn't up to the Marine Corps to determine. It wasn't. Marine Corps, I, I would love to give these guys checks. But it wasn't up to us. Now, it wasn't even my decision. I was just advising, and I was just a – but – that was the connect, and I think they ultimately made the connection. And you want everything to happen yesterday. This government functions very, very slow, Lee. And uh, when it comes to um, the burn pits, I think number one, it took a long time to make the link between the burn pit and the cancer. Did they actually do that? And by the way, doesn't the VA already treat some of this stuff itself? I don't know. It's complex. I don't understand all of it. The bill can be 10,000 pages long. I don't think John Stewart understands all of it. In fact, he said over the weekend he doesn't understand all of it. But if I weren't working and I was down there at Capitol Hill, you know, camped out, and I had the, you know, John Stewart, let's face it, that guy is basically household name famous. He could call up any senator and get a meeting. Maybe he should try that approach as opposed to yelling and screaming all the time. Now, I know, I'm sure he has had certain meetings, but I do think he likes the up and down, jumping up and down, showboating a little bit. Just a little bit. He's a human being. He's very talented, but uh, maybe a little bit full of himself, too. Detective Nolan, welcome back. Retired Detective Nolan from the NYPD. Yes, sir. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for taking my call again. I neglected to mention yesterday, I want to thank you for your service, because what you did and what others like you did uh, serving the country in that capacity allows me and allowed me to serve in the way that I do. So thank you very much for that. Well, not um, necessary. And you know what? I had a blast in the military. And to be honest, I think we're going a little bit, not you, detective, but we're going a little bit overboard with the thank you for your service thing. Do you ever get that yourself? Do you ever, do you ever be honest? Have you ever felt that a little bit? Doesn't it become so much, it's like, it's like almost required if you don't say it somehow, oh, you don't support the troops? Enough. And by the way, the military and law enforcement are here to serve the people, not the other way around. And sometimes lately, 
it seems like some folks want it to be the other way around. Anyway, I know that wasn't your point, so please continue, Detective. Not an issue, not an issue. Uh, regarding Joe Biden, I agree with you 100% about this last uh, thing that he did with the assassination of whatever that guy's name is. Um, unless somebody else comes out and verifies that this guy got killed by a tomahawk or whatever missile they used, I'm not buying his story at all. I'm not going to go for it. Uh, I need to hear from another source. It could be verified through through State Department, whoever, that this was done. But just to hear it out of his mouth, I'm not buying it. Maybe the guy's dead. Maybe, like he said, kidney failure. I tend to agree that this guy is so full of it that I cannot be settled with this until I hear from somebody else. Well, it's got to be somebody else from another government. I mean, our government's all on board, not the State Department. We need DNA confirmation, you know, visual confirmation. You know how they... uh how Obama confirmed it. Um, they showed him a picture of a dead bin Laden. They did. He talked about it. Right. They, they showed me a picture. Right, it was also, him. And they got DNA as well. Right. But they also had other people, Rob O'Neill and other people who were there who could actually provide testimony to the operation itself. Yeah. Oh, so by, by me, the way, by the way, by the way, on that, they probably shouldn't have. I mean, I love those guys, but that was kind of a departure from tradition. And now you're on any mission. You, you're gonna. We've incentivized guys. You know, you got book deals, you got movie deals, you got speaking engagements. You're gonna have a rush to get to the front of the line to kill the high value target. I like a lot about Rob O'Neill, but some of that stuff bothers me, to be honest. But anyway, yeah, I know we don't have any firsthand testimony. This was a Hellfire missile, I believe, shot by some sort of drone. Um, and we only killed one guy. I don't, uh, yeah, actually that's your giveaway. That's suspicious. One guy, one guy. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 no collateral damage. One guy. I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, me too. Me too. Great point. I got to look into that more, uh, and find, I'm curious what other people are saying uh, about this. All right. So, Hey, is Curtis around? Curtis is going to drop by. And give me a couple of pointers on running for mayor and a few other things, uh, Curtis Sliwa. And also, he's going to broker peace. Not that there's got to be any. You know, look, I love Rudy Giuliani. I think he loves me. Uh, he's the best guy in the world, one of them. And uh, he was a great mayor. And we had a little bit of a beef about, you know, what happened back in uh, 1993, 1994. But it's ancient history. And nobody can take away, in my book, what a great mayor he was. And what a great patriot he was, uh, serving all of us by trying to uncover that election fraud. And I do believe there was there was fraud. Yes, you can say that in America. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Don't call the FBI. It's okay. I do believe. Hey, here he comes. What's up? Oh, he's got to get his special headphones. That's okay. You should see the headphones I uh, I use. I use the little ones from the from the uh, the iPad. Hello, Mr. Sliwa. How are you? He's he's having a seat. Pleasure to be here, Greg. Pleasure. Curtis. Thank you, sir. Um so is Rudy mad at me or what? No. No, no. I just uh I, I did a shidach with Rudy, you know, a, a match. I was just sitting with my really? body chief. I said, Yeah, I said, Rudy, I know Greg. I know his dad. And they love you. They they record. They give you credit for how you saved this city from the worst city in terms of crime and murder, the murder capital, 
and then turned it into the safest big city. And Kelly kept up the legacy afterwards, the 12 years with Bloomberg. And I said, you don't understand. And I told Rudy straight up, this is not about you, Rudy. This is about Bratton, who bad mouths Ray Kelly every chance he gets Every place he goes. You know what? You're right about that. He's um, he's jealous, by the way. He's very jealous. And he's also a kind of a dumb guy. I looked it up. I was reading his book, and he said, you know what I would have done after 9-11? I would have reached out to all of our law enforcement partners. I would have reached out to the Port Authority police. I would have reached out to the MTA police. And most of all, I would have reached out to the FBI. I don't think the guy understands... You know what I mean? I just like the Port Authority reach out to the Port. We're all like it just it it's it was so amateur and and weird and out of town. He's an out of town guy. Yes. So look, look, I know Bratton for years when he was transit commissioner for Dinkins came back with Rudy, first uh, police commissioner, and then obviously was the insurance policy that got De Blasio elected. Because remember, De Blasio was going to lose the Democratic primary. People said he won't do anything about crime, and then Bratton all of a sudden. Said, I'll be his police commissioner. That's why we got eight years of de Blasio. Check the record because Bratton emerged in the midst of that heated Democratic primary and said, I'll be more than happy to serve oh, well, this, for Bill de Blasio. Well, one thing on that, de Bla- uh, Bratton wanted in with anybody. He wanted in. He just wanted the job so he could turn it around and get these contracts or give contracts or whatever the hell it is he does. He was playing ball with all the candidates and uh, he conned them. And he is a salesman. I'll give him that. So, Curtis. Oh, I mean, one last thing. Yeah. I had to remind Rudy, Michael Mbaricic, when he first appointed Bratton in the first days of the mayoralty, uh, there's a shooting in a mosque, a black mosque. And all of a sudden, uh, the mosque is saying, no, no, no cops in the mosque. So Bratton meets with Rudy. Rudy said, what do you mean? You're going to send the cops into that mosque. There's a shooting. I don't care if it's a house of worship. Then Bratton said, well, Al Slim Shady Sharpton wants to meet with me over it. Rudy turned to him and said, you have one meeting with Al Slim Shady Sharpton. You can leave your badge and your gun right here. I'll get a new police commission. <laughs> Absolutely. He wanted to meet with Al Slim Shady Sharpton, which would have been, it would have hung over Rudy all eight years. Whereas Bloomberg, you know what Bloomberg did with Al Slim Shady Sharpton, 10000 in an envelope every month to keep the peace. That's uh, That's true. You know, people... Don't realize how much easier it is to govern when you're a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. And uh, a lot of folks uh, were um, greased. And by the way, it's not illegal. If it's your money, you can you want to check for your foundation. Sure. You know, you're allowed to do that. But it did make things a lot easier for him. So, number one, Adams is every bit the disaster you told us he would be. Um, But even even I'm surprised, actually, at how bad he is. you know, I just never thought it would be this bad. How about you? Well, I was warning everybody, and nobody was listening. I'm saying just because he's a cop, like in every profession, you have good carpenters, bad carpenters, good plumbers, bad. There's certain dentists you won't go to, certain doctors you won't go to. doesn't mean because you're a member of the NYPD you were a proactive cop, a good He was an activist cop. You know why he joined the police department? He tells the story. Herb Dautry, who hated all white people, hated all Jews, said... Young man, you should join the police department, and you should call those crackers out. Yep. And what did he eventually say in a meeting when he was running for mayor? He said, that's right. I took care of all those white crackers who served with me in the NYPD. I kicked their ass, he said. 
I kicked their ass. And he actually uh, told that Daughtry guy, or Daughtry told him, he joined the police department to be an irritant. Yes. And you're right about that. There are good cops. There are bad cops. He was a bad, bad cop. I'll never forget. You know I've known your father for years, right, Mm. Kelly? He used to be the boxing commissioner of the state of New York. Minorities love Ray Kelly. He called him at it since Square Garden. They give him a standing ovation. Right. Nobody gives a standing ovation to the boxing commissioner. He served in Harlem. He got along with blacks, Hispanics, Asians, everyone. Eric Adams is in a meeting with a wide variety of police. He was still active. He comes out of that meeting and says that your father was a racist. Everyone else in that meeting said, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He labeled your dad a racist. That is a sin of all sins. He sh- it, and he never apologized for that. Never well, apologized. He made that up. Well, I know he made it up because, and I know he's a liar. And just maybe we'll take our revenge. Uh, listen, Curtis, if you don't run for mayor, I just might. So when we come back, you got to tell me what you're thinking, all right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Right. And also about getting Eric Adams down to the border. The only way to get him in the Rio Grande is if J-Lo and Beyonce were standing there because, oh, if they're down there, I'll go. Are the TikTok girls or the Kardashians? Is that uh, what's in the work? Is that he's going to? Oh, gosh. All right. Give me a moment. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we are back with... Uh, with Curtis Sliwa, the legend. It is amazing. You are I've seen it in public. I mean, everybody in the world knows who you are. Everybody. What's that like? Does it ever you ever uh I don't know, does it ever get old? No, no, because uh, you know, for every ten out there who uh high five me, uh slap me so hard on the back, I've gotta go for a chiropractic adjustment. They're the, the haters out there who would love to get a free open shot at me and like finish the job. Oh gosh, yeah, that's you gotta right. you gotta watch your back. You gotta and right. remember I go into the hood, like tonight, for National Night Out, 75th Precinct, East New York, where the cops have been abandoned. And, you know, there are going to be a lot of homeboys out there. You know, they're going to be flashing their nines, you know, because they run the streets. By the way, the guns are, you know, the guy that Eric had him. Oh, my guns are here. He's from East New York. Doing a real great job out there. Gun crime has never been higher. This mayor has been fraudulent since day one. He, the swagger man has no plan. No yeah. plan. He throws stuff up on the wall. Remember he said, oh, I want cops to patrol by themselves. It lasted one day. A cop got beaten up at Livonia Avenue Station of the three train. And then, look, did you see over the weekend at the Dominican Parade? Yep. The same Trinitarios who marched on the periphery with Eric Adams, who started the parade on the Grand Concourse, assaulted the cops. Has Eric Adams and his missing in action police commissioner Sewell had a press conference about that? Yeah, you really don't see her at all, do you? Hey, listen, look, uh, it's looking really bad for the city. Um, you may have heard me uh, talk about it. I'm thinking about running. Um, I guess I, 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 I would have to say, though, what are your plans? The are more, you, the you, better. The more, the better? The more, the better. All right. Are you, you thinking about running? Look, people may want me to run. But the point is, I believe in allowing people choice. The Republicans, notice what they've done. They become weak and feckless. They fold around the Democrats. There is a move today. It's in Politico. You should read it. Joe Borelli, minority leader, right? Republican conservative. Best friends of Eric Adams. Lobbying with Eric Adams. This is what they're going to try to do. I'm predicting it now. Because you know me. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. They're going to try a fusion ticket. This is what LaGuardia ran on when he ran for mayor. Endorsed by the Democrats, endorsed by the Republicans, coronation for term number two. 
there will be Republicans who sell out the principles of the Republican Party to back Eric Adams, who will wine him, dine him, and pocket line him. Well, that'll be a uh, suicide mission for Borelli or anybody else who signs up for this chaos if they want to do anything outside of the city council or city politics or anything like that, because this is not going to fly nationally. People know. People know the truth. I don't you, know. You should know, though, already. The, the buildings commissioner is a guy named Eric Ulrich, used to be leader of the Republicans, uh, county leader in Queens. Buildings commissioner, that's the first guy they're going to take out of City Hall and chains and shackles. I mean, that's corruption central. Another guy, Jimmy Otto, Republican, he was the borough president of Staten Island. Yeah. They're taking Eric Adams' money. Well, what do you mean? What money? They're getting paid. I mean, money. It's like no-show jobs. Trust me, you know me, Greg. I yeah. know where everybody's bones are buried and who buried them. It'll be over my dead body. Cross my heart and hope to die. I will not allow the Republican Party to become a quasi-adjunct for the Democratic Party that has destroyed this city. I love the, uh, the fusion ticket. You mentioned LaGuardia did it, and Rudy Giuliani did it, and it was awesome when he pulled it off. He had the, There was the liberal line. That's right. Ray Harding, and he had this liberal. So, you know, Democrats uh, could feel comfortable voting for Rudy Giuliani on the liberal party line. Hey, do me a favor. Stick with me for a second, because I want to get this guy. Uh, wait, where is he? Where is he? Oh, Mark from Merrick, if you don't mind, Mark, what's your question? And Curtis is here hey, as well. Just, uh, you were uh, talking earlier about what a waste of uh, time you spend on a series. And I agree with you. Uh, TV is a waste of time. It's a wasteland, actually. I'm getting ready to cut the cable and just stream stuff because that's all you need to do these days. Uh, I I do agree to a point. Uh don't cut the cable if you've got Newsmax. <laughs> I kind of, uh, you, you can stream us as well. But uh, you, too many people are wasting too much time watching shows. Are you watching anything, uh, Greg, Curtis? You know, I've married a hipster and millennial. They all cut the cable. Wait a second. How old is your wife? Uh, I really don't know. Maybe you can help me find out. Roughly. She will not tell me, and I, she won't show me any IDs. But people claim that I snatched her from the cradle. We'll be walking in the streets. They'll go up to Nancy and say, what is it like to have a father like Curtis? <laughs> well, look, by the way, I've seen her. It's not like she's, you know, she's not 18. I mean, she's like 30-ish. She's 35-ish. I wish you could find out for me. Well, that's my best guess. Well, Thir- we have another person here, Frank Morano, who does the other side of Overnight. Yeah. He won't say how old he is. What is it with these hipsters and millennials? He won't say how old he no. is? A lot of people, I mean, he just, even off air, he won't say? You go to his Facebook, he has a graduation picture from Tottenville High School on his Facebook. High school! That's strange. I'm 73. Oh, you got me by a few years. I'm 68. You got me by five <laughs> years, like, Greg. Right. Uh, Leonardo for Curtis and Greg. Hello, Leonardo. Hey, that would be the ticket if Curtis was humble enough to be your lieutenant, Mayor Kelly. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think is going to happen? I know that uh, they're going to criminally indict Trump. It's going to be any day. Do you think it's better he wait to announce his candidacy for president until after they indict him? (laughs) I don't think they're going to indict him because they know, they know, as corrupt as the system is, it's not quite that corrupt. They can't indict him for nothing, all right, for watching TV on January 6th. 
Uh, I don't think they indict him. I also don't think he declares before the midterms. What do you think, uh, Curtis? Let me make one comment about that. I was listening to Bernie and Sid this morning. Uh, they were stirring it up between you and Rudy. There yeah. are no two bigger Trumpers in the world that have stood by President Donald Trump, citizen Donald Trump, than Greg Kelly and Rudy Giuliani. That's why it did the shit out. We're not going to allow there to be any dissension here. Bernie and Sid, stop stirring. Yeah. Stop stirring the yeah. drink. <laughs> How are those guys, anyway? Oh, they're I'm, great. They're number one. I mean, they, they overwhelm uh, the morning. They do a hell of a show, and uh, I, love, I love them both. But, yes, uh, they, they got me riled up. It worked. All right. Well, Curtis, thanks, pal, very, very much. There's the music. I got to go across the street. Uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow or tonight at 10 o'clock on, uh, on Newsmax. You can stream it. Uh, you can watch it on cable. Even YouTube, I think. No, Rumble. Rumble. Anyway, all the best. Rudy Giuliani, my favorite mayor, coming up.